So I'm with Terry Mickler. It's uh, Thursday, July 29th, and we're going to talk about it's Lutz, Lutz Fanestel, right? And uh, that's the first thing I learned from Terry was the proper pronunciation of, of Lutz's first name. I was using the uh, Americanized version. And uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about his opportunity and Terry's impressions of this uh, this guy who's got some, we're going to call it a large responsibility. Okay. T- tell, me, tell me about your thoughts, you know, regarding Lutz. Well, I've met Lutz, well, I guess probably four times now. I think I've been with him on different occasions, a couple of sit-downs and stuff. And uh, each time I, I came away impressed with the guy, uh, with his uh, sincerity and, and his experience and, and his approach. I, li- I, I just like the way he, he wants to approach this. And he approached you, as I understand, right? He reached out, yeah. said, I'd like to chat with the, this coach that is so legendary locally. Yeah, the first meeting we met at, at CBC uh, on the outdoor patio, it was, it was an hour, hour plus, maybe close to two-hour meeting, just introducing ourselves to each other and stuff and going through some background and what his, what his goal, his ambition is. And uh, I read his book. It's very, very interesting uh, read and a, a good synopsis of his entire life and where he started, how he started, where he went, how it went for him at all of his different st- spots. And I guess most importantly, what all he's learned from all of that, you know, and for him to, to pick this project to come here uh, as opposed to any of the other opportunities that he would have had. This guy played in every continent in the, in the world, so he has contacts everywhere. And in most cases, uh, where he was, he left favorable impressions. He, people liked him. He's a very likable guy, good personality, hardworking guy, and honest guy. So... You know that goes a long way. When you when you want to make a callback, sometimes people answer the phone when, when they know that you're on the other end of it. So I don't think you would have had a problem getting a, a good job anywhere. But he wanted this one because it was a it was a starting starting job from the gra- ground up. It was a developmental position, and it's a real challenge. You know, so I I, I think he has to be completely totally aware of, of the climate in St. Louis youth St. Louis soccer in general particularly the, the youth soccer, the club soccer, because that's what is prominent in the city. And so to take a, take on the, the job that he has, knowing that he was going to have to go out and, and, and find local players to put in his academy, and that's one of their, their main priorities is to develop local local players. And he wants to do it in a, in a non-pay-to-play way, which is very, very uh, worthwhile and uh, great on his part to, to offer that kind of a, a program. So now he can go out and entice the best players to, to come to the academy at no price, no price. Now, so you need, number one, you need, you need good talent identification. you got to be able to spot the kids that you think are going to be the future players. Not now, but future, the opportunity the, to develop. The future players. Like I hear college right. coaches that talk about finding people that still have an upside. Right. The, the, the critical eye is the guy that can see the kid, not today, but he can see that kid five years from now, six, seven years from now, and what he could, what he could become. And then you've got to have a, a, a really good coaching staff that can really guide him. And then you've got to have good facilities. 
for me, those are the key key ingredients. You start with the talent, you, you coach it, and then you put it in the right environment. And when you get enough of those kind of kids together, you get the the Dutch philosophy is real simple: get the best players with and against the best players, and then you find out who the best players really are. So you know to keep keep a good player, a top player in a, in a situation where he doesn't have much competition, doesn't really help his development at all. So those kids need to be pushed. And unfortunately, our system now has changed from, from years past to where there's teams at every age level. So you can be the best player in your age level and not really be challenged. And in most cases, you don't have an opportunity to move up and play out of your age group either. In the past, uh, years ago, we had under 16, under 19 age groups. And if you were good enough, young enough, good enough, you could play in either of those age levels. Now you can be 16, 17, 18, 19, 12, 13, 14, whatever. And there's age level for every, every age group. So that kind of really uh, weakens the, the developmental and competitive approach that we had in the past where if you're 15 or 14 and you can play at 16, if you're 17, you can play at 19. That really brought out the best of the best players. So I, I think Luce is going to do a good job. I think he's going to have a lot of uh, uh, obstacles to overcome along the way. But I think he's well aware of that and he'll be resistant. The only issue is, does he get a result? Does he really develop these players in a better way? That's the proof of the pudding. The, uh, the first responsibility, as you noted, is the academy because they, they won't start MLS play until 2023, so two years from now. How, uh, so his focus has got to be on both programs, right? Oh, yeah, he's got a monumental task there, doesn't he? He's got to, he's got to build an immediate uh, youth system, and he's got to build for the professional team. So he's looking at both ends of the spectrum. Uh, and the first one is, is really difficult uh, because the second one's easy. You can go find pro players because mostly you're going to be finding players that are already in, in professional leagues. So that's kind of a, a finished product, so to speak. Uh, he, he's not going to be involved with too much guessing game, too much of a guess, guessing game situation there. It's going to be pretty cut, cut and dried. He just picks what he likes. But the youth thing is totally different. Because you don't know at 14 or 15 what a kid really might be at 17 or 18, you know. The biggest thing for me is the ambition level of the kid. You know, how driven are they to really make this work? If they're just doing it for the year or two's experience of being in that uh, academy level with professional coaching and then go to college, please don't even start that process, you know. You're not being fair to, to the, to the uh, philosophy of the program, which is to develop professional players. Now, obviously, not everybody's going to be a professional player, but I think everybody should have that ambition to, to try to be. Uh, if you're going into it the idea that I just want to get the experience and then go to college, don't even start it. You're cheating everybody. you know. And that's what he's going to have to overcome, is find out the, those, the, the wannabes from the real, real, real bees. Who are the ones that really want it versus the ones that kind of want it? And I, looking back, if my memory serves correctly, we've only had one player from St. Louis FC Academy that 
decided to forego college and go straight go straight to the uh, professional level, which was Nietzsche Vlastos, a young man who came here as a U15 from Wyoming or Montana and did sign out of, uh, as a U19 directly with the St. Louis FC, the USL team. Well, that's probably true. Years ago, and I go back you know, quite a few years back, you know, there were players that bypass college to go from high school to the pro in the old NASL days. Um, we've been so much uh, steeped in step by step by step. So, you know, if you're, if you're in club, you go from one age level to the next. If you're in school, you go from elementary school to high school. From high school, you go to college. From college, you go to pros. So we haven't really developed that mentality yet of, you know, let's get to the pros. We don't have enough of a professional environment in, in the youth systems, so to speak, okay? And I don't know if that's a fault or not, but I think, I think it is. If you're looking at, the, at trying to build professional players, uh, you got to have a professional mentality. And I think, you know, clubs could offer that in, in certain ways if they really wanted to, to make, it, make a difference. I think they could do that. You shared a, uh, shared a story with me before we started this conversation about Landon Donovan in the 2002 World Cup. How about re- retelling that? Yeah, the 2002 World Cup, the U.S. playing West Germany and uh, Germany, and Donovan's in on a breakaway and misses it. And the color commentator on, on the game was uh, Jurgen Klinsmann. And Klinsmann's comment immediately was, Donovan will miss that opportunity all every time because he's not had enough prior experience at this level with that opportunity. And I think that's the thing that's really lacking is that we produce players that we think are really good and special, but they haven't been in those kind of environments before. When I, when I go to, uh, to, to Holland on my trips and visit, and I see the youth, youth teams over there, those youth teams, they're playing in tournaments during the year where they go to uh, out of country and they play the Barcelonas and the Real Madrids and the, and the Liverpools and whatnot in their age groups. So they're getting that experience all the time. You know, they're getting it almost every day in their training sessions because the guys they're training with are all fighting for the same position, to stay in the team for another year, to be closer to being a professional. We lack that. You know, that's, that's why Klinsman could say that about Donovan is that he didn't come out of that environment. So the, uh, the conversation related to that is I, I'm going to assume, knowing you, Coach, that you saw the uh, – Seattle Sounders versus Austin FC game last week where Seattle went into Austin and they had five players that were all teenagers. A 15-year-old, a couple of 16-year-olds, an 18-year-old, and a 19-year-old, and they beat Austin at Austin. That was unbelievable. But I think just as unbelievable as that was the home crowd that Austin had. They They were phenomenally excited about the game. And, and then that creates an extra pressure on everybody, especially the, the visiting team, for sure, right? But imagine that 15-year-old kid and the rest of those young teenagers playing in that environment and playing. They made up almost half the team. Five of the 11 starters were under 18 or 19 years of age. And they held their own, held their own, held their own. They found a goal and won, one to nothing. So the biggest thing was that, you know, they kept that zero all the way through to the end. 
they didn't they didn't give anything up even when it was zero zero and the game was still on the line they were still at zero they kept kept their end of a deal up incredible phenomenal and, and so much credit to to the coach at Seattle for doing that I mean how many coaches in the league would would risk a result to give five teenagers a, a chance to get some experience credit so I have to assume it's safe it's safe to assume that that should be the target based upon what we heard from Lutz and his goal for the club and the academy thereof that that sh that is the uh, that is the target maybe not five necessarily in an individual game but that they are developing the players they need for the first team well how many american young american players if given the chance could do well enough to to maintain a spot in that mls as opposed to giving those same kind of spots away to the same kind of a player from out of the country, I mean, mostly some kind of a Latin American, Central American country. Why not give those same spots? Why not have a rule that says you must have a, a minimum number of Americans on your roster, legitimate Americans on your roster? I remember when I was in the NASL back in 1969, it was. Oh my. The, yeah, the league <laughs> rule was you had to have three Americans on the team. so. I, I fit under that, so luckily I was one of three Americans on the team. Uh, but then the, then the rule was going to be progressive to where over a period of time you would keep adding Americans to the roster, and ultimately you would get to a point where those numbers would now reverse, and it would be the number of foreigners that would be on the team. So if you started with three Americans, you'd end up with maybe three foreigners on the team over a period of time. Well, that rule lasted a, one year, and I think that was it. Never got past Three, minimum three Americans on the team, so I think we got a lot of potential young kids that aren't getting the opportunity. That's my point. Well, and that you know, I find myself it's it's easy to get cynical about MLS. The quality has gone up; it's a bit more entertaining. But your point about the Austin game, I turn into all the Austin games now for two reasons. One is we have a local kid. We got Aiden Stanley on the roster. He, uh, he has gotten some playing time, although he didn't get into that particular game. And to your point, it's, uh, that stadium is rocking. And so, that, you know, I would hope that that's where we are pointed towards. You know, that's exactly the same thing I thought when I was watching the game. Is, is this something that, could, that St. Louis could replicate? And the answer is why not, you know, why not? The stadium is going to be, what, 20-some thousand people. It's not going to be overwhelming. Um, and right now, it's, it, it's, in Austin, it's, it's still new. It's very new. But Austin had a pretty good reputation with USL franchises, too. I think they had some championship USL teams. It's kind of like Seattle and Portland and Vancouver. Right, you know, right. They, they were back in the day. They were back in the NASL days in the 60s and 70s. And when NASL went away, they stayed on as USL, and they kept their fan base all the way through. So I think something like that is kind of important. Um, you know, maybe Austin is doing the same kind of thing. My problem with St. Louis is that I see St. Louis fan base more of a, a major event thing. When when we brought over the uh, out-of-country out of teams to play, they had big crowds down at the stadium to watch the game, big, huge crowds. But then if you just have a regular weekly local kind of a game, USL, game with the STLFC, crowds kind of came and went. You know, 
they weren't as consistent. Based upon results. Yeah, based on results. So I, I hope we can, the MLS thing, the list team can establish a, a consistent fan base, you know, and I hope that on the field they can produce the results to keep the, those fans happy. But St. Louis is kind of a funny soccer town. I mean, a lot of people play it, but not everybody wants to support it. Let's, let's hope that they get behind and support this one. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me, and I know that uh, I have a, a different, more improved impression of Lutz, and I'm looking forward to uh, the start of the academy program. Any, any thoughts to wrap this up, Coach? I'm all for Lutz. I'm, I'm in his corner. I hope, I hope it works out for him. And I, I really don't think with all the opportunities that he had around the world to, to pick from that he would have picked this one if he didn't see himself doing well. So it's going to take a little bit of time. He's going to have to be weather some storms, but I'm 100% sure that he, he's aware of that. The only uncertainty thing is how well, how much he can really produce the outcome and, and make a strong academy team. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing those rosters in the early, uh, the early matches. Thanks again, Coach. Okay, no problem.